This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Tammy Bruce. I'm Juan Williams. I'm Shannon Bream, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Thursday, July 20th, 2023. I'm Lisa Brady. All of the finger-pointing in politics might energize some voters, but leave others fatigued. So you start to hear about the Hunter Biden probe, and oh, that's not fair. You think, oh, Donald Trump, how can we possibly have somebody who's being indicted uh, in office? You hear the culture wars, and you either are thankful that they're being fought, or you're sick of it. I'm Dave Anthony. What if the next presidential election is just like the last one? Trump versus Biden again. There's a movement to put a third option on the ballot. It's a rematch. It's, you know, it's it's the sequel no one wants. Um, And so if two-thirds of Americans don't want to see that sequel, the question becomes, who's standing up and giving them something to vote for? And I'm Kristen Hawkins. I've got the final word on the Fox News rundown. A man who had been known as Whistleblower X reveals his identity and his motives to the House Oversight Committee in the latest hearing on the Hunter Biden tax probe. I sit here before you not as a hero or or a victim, but as a whistleblower compelled to disclose the truth. IRS Special Agent Joseph Ziegler telling lawmakers yesterday he's risking his career and reputation and that he's a gay Democrat, now accused by some of being a traitor to his party. But he says the facts and a need for accountability drove him to come forward, becoming the second IRS whistleblower to suggest political interference in what became a misdemeanor plea deal case for the president's son. The decision to bring felony counts against Hunter Biden was agreed to by both prosecutors and investigators. He says felony charges were recommended for two tax years. Republicans, including Kansas Congressman Jake LaTurner, calling attention to a bigger picture. Let's get the facts out. The Biden family and their associates received millions in global payments from companies linked to Ukraine, Romania, and China funneled through various shell companies. Mr. Ziegler, is that correct? That is correct. It's $17.3 million. But Maryland Congressman Jamie Raskin, the committee's ranking Democrat, says there's no evidence of wrongdoing by the president or his administration, accusing Republicans of a smear campaign. The same baseless conspiracy theories that this committee serves up as moldy leftovers every day. Raskin called the hearing another attempt at concocting a scandal and a bust. This as former President Donald Trump could face more criminal charges after being notified by special counsel Jack Smith. He's a target of a probe into the Capitol riot and efforts to overturn the 2020 election. Trump has already pleaded not guilty in two indictments, a federal classified documents case and hush money related charges in New York City, with trials expected during the 2024 campaign. It's election interference never been done like this in the history of our country, and it's a disgrace. Trump telling a Hannity town hall on Fox, the Justice Department has become a weapon for Democrats. So how is all of this sitting with voters? Well, 
I think first we have to take a step back and say, in general, Americans are tired of these probes. Lee Carter is a pollster and president of Meslansky and Partners. Whether you're talking about Hunter Biden or Donald Trump indictments. So about 58% of Americans as a whole are saying we're spending too much time on this and not enough time on issues that matter most. That said, I do think they are having a fair amount of impact, um, in particular on energizing Republicans. So I think when you look at the polling about this, there's about half of Americans who are saying that this is a pretty big deal and it's problematic. A lot of Republicans are saying that it's a big deal. Um, And independents are also more likely to say this is a big deal. Now, why is this so important? Because they're Democrats are going to say this isn't that, you know, there's there's nothing to see here. But what's happened? Donald Trump gets indicted. He gets increased support by 18 points. That makes no sense. When you look at some of the other polling that's out there, you start to see a couple another story that's unfolding. About seven in 10 Americans feel that there's this unfairness in society, that there's a different rule of law that applies to the wealthy, the elite and the connected. And in many ways, what's happening right now with Hunter Biden in particular is evidence of that. So they look at this and say, this is really unfair. There seems to be two, uh, the two tiers of justice that uh, Donald Trump likes to talk about seems to be playing out here. Donald Trump is getting indicted. All of this is getting swept under the rug. And what that does is that energizes people are more likely to support Donald Trump and say, I want somebody who's going to fight against this. And that's what Donald Trump is promising to do. And I think it really it it really does uh, give him uh, an advantage. And so I I guess from what you're saying, you're not seeing the same energy among Democrats um, who want to push back against that narrative. Like it's not making them angry to hear these allegations that they say have no basis against the Bidens. No, they're not getting they don't have a, a underlying feeling that there's a huge problem that needs to be solved as a result of this. So Democrats are looking at this saying, look, there's nothing to see here. This is all politically motivated. Joe Biden is, you know, has no conflict of interest. And let's just, you know, this is business as usual. Nothing really to be done. When Republicans and independents are hearing about this, they're like, wait a minute, this seems unfair. It also seems like I can't trust the, the, the government to protect me or to do the right thing by me. And I need somebody who's going to go down there and fight against this. And that's part of what Donald Trump is promising to do. You also hear a lot of Republicans talking about that. But so for Republicans, they're saying there's a problem in government that needs to be fixed here. For Democrats are saying it's a problem in Republicans making a bigger deal out of something that doesn't need to be done. And so we're just going to continue on as usual and they're not going to change their vote or do anything differently. I think it mobilizes more people on the right than it does on the left. When it comes to Trump getting a bump in the polls so far after indictments, is there more nuance to it in terms of who's supporting him? You know, whether there's a limit to that support if legal troubles continue to increase um, or whether Trump convictions would make a difference. So there's a lot of different schools of thought on what Trump's ceiling is. But I think we've seen his ceiling is about, you know, 48 to to 50 percent of general population vote. That's not a Republican vote. Um, And so the issue for him becomes much bigger when you get to the general election than you do in the primary. Um, There is definitely going to be a fair number of people who say, I can't support him should he go to jail. But there are a fair number of people who are going to support him no matter what. And that seems to be about 30 percent of Republicans, which could be enough to get him across the finish line and still be the nominee. So it's a it's a complicated question. uh, But Trump supporters are very, very loyal. And there is this narrative that is out there that he is being treated unfairly. Most people don't think that anything he did is worth 
worthy of crime, um, levels up to the crime. I shouldn't say most people, most Republicans. So what they start to say is it's really unfair, especially when they see a sort of double standard in how he's being treated. Did something change in the last decade or so where voters are just, you know, used to these types of scandals or expect these types of things and and tune them out? Well, I I wouldn't say that we're ever going to be used to these types of scandals. I think that there is something counterintuitive in the way that Donald Trump navigates through scandals and controversy. You know, a lot of people would stop. They would apologize. They'd say there's something wrong that, you know, they, they wouldn't lead into it. Donald Trump leans into these things and says, look, this is evidence that there's a problem with the system. Not that I've done anything wrong. It's a very different reaction, right, than you've ever seen play out. And so in many ways, Donald Trump controls the narrative. When you when you start looking at polling around how many people think that there's a two tier you know, system of justice. Well, he's the one that put that out there. So he sets the narrative. He sets the debate in many ways that allows him to win um, in these situations that you wouldn't expect to win. Now, as far as Hunter Biden goes, you know, there's a couple of things at play here. I think, well, number one, most people don't want to get kids involved in their their, their parents. Uh, they're, they're, there's like this a little bit of fatigue where you don't want to involve the families, even though they're, they're trying to make the connection here that Hunter Biden was directly connected to Joe Biden, which means all of this is happening. But I think there's always been uh, a reluctance to, to hold politicians accountable for their, their children. Um, and there's a sort of out of bounds feeling. So I think that's part of the reason why there's fatigue around um, what Joe Biden's doing. And the other thing that I think that there's a it's a complicated narrative. Right. And so I think people just tend to tune it out. What are voters more concerned about um, the economy, for instance? Is that still overshadowing everything else at this point? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the number one issue, according to voters, is the economy uh, and inflation in particular. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why you hear Joe Biden out there talking about Bidenomics. Um, And it is something that is important uh, and remains as as, as a top issue uh, for voters, despite what we see in in the headlines. A lot of a lot of attention is being spent on the indictment on um, on Hunter Biden. And yet most people want to know what's going to happen in the economy. People want to know what's going to happen with immigration. They want to know what's going to happen with crime. There also are a fair number of people who still are very, very engaged in the issue of abortion. Um, that issue uh, is very, very important to Democrats. Nine in 10 Democratic women say that's the primary reason they're going to go out and vote. And seven in 10 of independent women say it's going to be a major factor in why they vote, even though it's not the number one issue that impacts their day-to-day life. And so there's a lot of factors that are going on here that are outside of these these sort of controversies that are going to drive people to the ballot uh, box in November. And I, I think it's important that everybody understands what they are. Hmm. There seems to be a, a disconnect um, on the part of both parties um, between the issues they raise money on <laughs> and what voters actually want lawmakers to address. I mean, has it always been that way or is it just more prevalent or more obvious now? Well, I think that one of the things that you see is primaries are different than general elections. So when there's, you know, seven in 10 Americans say that they want somebody besides Joe Biden to run for president, six in 10 Americans say they want somebody besides Donald Trump to be in this office. And yet, look at how they're doing in the polls. So there's a huge disconnect. And so you would think if you look at kind of polling, there's a appetite for a third party or somebody else, but that we're not seeing that happen. So there is a gap um, in what people say that they want and how they behave. 
And I think it's really hard because as much as we see that there's a rise in independence, we're seeing that something like 40% of Americans are independent. Well, the truth is most people really aren't independent. They're mostly one or the other and are most likely to align on one side or the other. And it's hard to break that inertia. A lot of Republican candidates have focused on culture war issues. Um, do we have indications that topics like transgender athletes and female sports, for instance, are actually you know moving the needles for any candidates? I think it's a big mistake, frankly. If you look at Ron DeSantis, who's made the woke wars, the culture wars, sort of the centerpiece of his campaign uh, since April, his polling has just dropped significantly since he's really entered in high gear on the war on Mickey Mouse. And I just don't think it resonates. Now, does it resonate as a subpoint? Does it resonate as evidence that you're going to get tough, you're going to get focused on the right things on the issues that matter? I think it could, but it's not. It should it should be, you know, the side dish, not the main course. Uh, and I think it's a big mistake. I think uh, Ron DeSantis would be doing much better today if he was focused on the economy, if he was focused on keeping freedom alive. Uh, the sort of blueprint that he put together in Florida, I think would be one that would be much stronger to run on than uh, the woke wars. And and I see similar reactions across the board. I mean, in many ways, the culture wars are what used to be called wedge issues as opposed to uh, the central issues that I think are most important. What about persuadable voters? Are they paying much attention yet? Are they um, likely to be influenced by things like culture wars or the Trump indictments or the Hunter Biden investigations? Well, I think most people, right, are not completely engaged at this point, but they have, they hear about all of these things and it has a trickle on effect. So you start to hear about the Hunter Biden probe. And you're like, oh, that's not fair. You think, oh, Donald Trump, how can we possibly have somebody who's being indicted uh, in office? You hear the culture wars and you either are thankful that they're being fought or you're sick of it. Um, so they all play into a broader narrative that's all sort of like the, the background noise that people are hearing. Is it front and center? Absolutely not. But it, it's going to start playing a role as people are getting closer and closer to making the decision. And you know, the people who aren't really, really focused on this, part of the reason that they're not really focused on, on it is because it's exhausting to hear over and over all this negativity. People want to hear about positive stories. They want to hear about optimism. I mean, seven in 10 Americans think we're going in the wrong direction. They're not optimistic. So they want to hear some better stories. Um, and I think this is all evidence to them on why they shouldn't tune in. So I think it's going to be harder to get them to pay attention in a year when they have to. Lee Carter, pollster and Meslansky and Partners president. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This is Kristen Hawkins with your Fox News commentary. Coming up. We are months away from the first presidential primaries and caucuses, but the way it looks now, we may get a Trump-Biden 2024 rematch. Something a lot of Americans don't seem to want. In a recent CNN poll, 33% support the former president, 32% back the current president, 31% 
want neither. The common sense majority has no voice in this country. That's former Utah Governor John Huntsman, a Republican who ran for president in 2012, at an event in New Hampshire on Monday for the group No Labels, which is organizing a third-party 2024 campaign, a unity ticket. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia was there, too. We don't live our life over in extremes. I don't live my life on the right or the left. I've got to make decisions for myself and my family. Senator Manchin may even consider being the no-labels presidential candidate, dismissing criticism that he could play the role of spoiler for Trump or Biden. I've never been in any race I've ever spoiled. I've been in races to win. And if I get in a race, I'm going to win. No-labels is not a new group. It has been around for more than a decade. It started with the attempt to bring Democrats and Republicans together and create the Problem Solvers Caucus in the House of Representatives, which I was a member of when I served in Congress. Now a former congressman, Joe Cunningham, a Democrat, is the No Labels National Director. About a year and a half ago or so, we started to expand our horizons and, and look to see what was possible on the presidential, vice presidential level and ran some polling, modeling, started collecting data. So what happens if it's Trump versus Biden? Is there a pathway for a unity ticket? Would Americans accept this? Would they, you know, embrace this? And what we found was, uh, and, you know, we don't need to rehash all the polls, but we found was even back then, majority of Americans, they, they wanted something else. And there is a pathway to victory for such a ticket. And so as we look towards the end of the year and next year, like we're focused right now on gaining ballot access. That's what No Labels is doing, getting on the ballot in all 50 states plus Washington, D.C. as an insurance policy. And a couple of days ago, we were busy in New Hampshire releasing a book called Common Sense, which is, you know, it shows what the majority of Americans are on 30 different policy ideas, everything from immigration to crime to education to gun safety, you know, all the major topics. Uh, we put out ideas and hopefully they get co-opted by you know, the major parties or elected officials or politicians to to try and move the ball forward. But Congressman, how do you do it? We have such a divide right and left here in the last eight years, especially abortion, gun control. There doesn't seem to be anywhere near a middle ground of compromise on those issues. Well, it doesn't seem to be that way in Washington, D.C., right? (laughs) The truth is, and what this common sense book tells you is, that majority of Americans, they do agree on some of the things, even as it relates to these hot button issues. You know, take, for instance, you know, immigration. We have this in our booklet. The vast majority of Americans want safe and secure borders. They feel like you know, that our nation's borders need to be secured. There's also a majority of Americans who feel that dreamers, uh, these children who were brought to this country through no fault of their own, uh, deserve a pathway to citizenship. Americans can agree on things. It's just we can't get our politicians to. Where does Senator Manchin fit into this? I know you had him on Monday, along with former Utah Governor John Huntsman, who ran for president in the past as a Republican. How did you get those two together? And there's a lot of talk that maybe the senator might be your candidate. We haven't started looking at candidates yet. And and so any idea as to who's on it, I know it's kind of, you know, it's kind of fun to to talk about. You know, the truth is we don't know if we're going to run a ticket yet. And so any talks of who may be on is premature. I'll tell you, you know how Manchin and Huntsman came to be there. They were two original co-chairs for No Labels. So they have a long, long working history. To bring a Democrat and Republican there at St. Anselm, um, which is a historic place for presidential politics, right? 
Now, I got to tell you, they told us there they'd seen the largest crowd they've ever seen. Okay. You see the Gallup poll where 50% of people were identifying as independent. That's as much as Democrats and Republicans combined. People are, you know, people are warming up to this idea. And and, and let me just say that having Governor Huntsman and Senator Manchin up there earlier um, this week is, um, this is a, we'll be going to different cities. I mean, we'll be going to different states and we're going to have more guests. Uh, we're honored to have them kick us off there, but you're going to be seeing other faces as well and other people. And uh, as we take these ideas, the common sense to, you know, cities around the country. All right, Congressman. Now, if you guys do end up putting a third party candidate on the ballot, you're going to hear the same objection that's been said over and over for years and years. It's throwing your vote away. And I want you to hear what this man, who was a Democrat like you, said after attending your event in New Hampshire on Monday. The repercussions of this election, I think, are are pretty tough, pretty uh, awesome, um, huge. And um, I I just I don't want to see, you know, a candidate that I wouldn't like get elected, put it that way. So he fears that a no labels candidate could actually help elect Donald Trump again. Republicans may fear the opposite that would benefit President Biden. So how do you overcome that objection? Well, um, we we don't intend to be a spoiler. And we've been very clear from the get go that we'd be only be entering this race to win it. Does that mean if it's only if it's Trump versus Biden? I think that's the way the modeling shows right now. Um, I can't exclude anyone and everyone, but we understand that this dynamic this re- it's a rematch. It's a, you know it's it's the sequel no one wants. And so if two thirds of Americans don't want to see that sequel, the question becomes who's standing up and giving them something to vote for. You know we live in America. You know we have a constitution and we have a constitutional right to secure ballot access to provide Americans a vo- another voice and another choice. And so this is our right. You know there are no crowns in our democracy. It doesn't belong to one particular party or another. I'm a, I'm a lifelong Democrat. I recognize that that um, any efforts to kind of hinder us from ballot access is a, another form of voter suppression. Yeah, and you've run into and, that, haven't you? I, 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 North Carolina, correct? We have, we have several states where you know we're, we're running into it, and we, we kind of expected this. But but look, this is what you know, we have: American people behind us. We have the numbers behind us, and a vast majority. You're on five states' ballots right now, right? You've secured access for Arizona, Alaska, Oregon, and Utah and Colorado. And how? tough would it be to get in every state across the country? Well, a lot of people may not recognize because I didn't realize it either, but uh, there was a group back in 2012 called, I think, Americans Elect, and they were working to get a third choice on the ticket, and they were successful. They got on in over 40 states and then ultimately pulled it down. So that's the thing is that we retain right to this ballot line. You know, we can get on the ballot. We can also pull it back down if it looks like it's going to, you know, uh, spoil an election. How will you know for sure that you wouldn't spoil an election? Right now, the numbers show, yes, we have a pathway to victory, and the majority of Americans want another voice, another choice. I'm honest and, and uh, uh, you know, w- wide-eyed enough to realize that once you put names in those ballots, things may shift a bit, right? Right. So uh, if, if we nominate a ticket, and I think it's important to give that a little bit of room to breathe and, and find out whether or not it's something that resonates with Americans— and if it gets traction, okay. Uh, if it doesn't get traction, then again, we're not interested in in uh, just running a race just to run a race. When would you know that you okay? We're going to go forward. We're going to have a candidate. So, when when would you decide yeah. that? 
So our time frame, what we're looking at right now, uh, Super Tuesdays in March. And historically speaking, by then, we have a good idea as to who the two presumptive nominees are. And No Labels is holding their convention in April in Dallas, Texas, where we, you know, we're, and that decision will be made by then. To whether or not to nominate a ticket and who would be on that ticket. Okay. And so, then, and then when would you got, would you, you'd have a convention and do it like the other parties do? Yeah. Yeah. Balloons come down and, you know, everything that the campaign <laughs> would take off. I mean, the whole, the whole um, shebang. Over the years, there have been a lot of independent or third party candidates in elections. The most prominent one in recent memory Ross Perot. All of us have one purpose in mind, and that's to clean up this mess and pass on the American dream. A Texas businessman, Perot got 19% of the vote in 1992. He ran again four years later, but got just 8%. Perot did not win a single state in either election. Only three other third-party candidates got electoral votes in the past 100 years. George Wallace won five states in 1968. Strom Thurmond won four in 48. Robert LaFollette got just one state in 1924. None of them came close, though, to winning the presidency. I often refer and, and paraphrase Victor Hugo, who said, there's nothing more powerful than an idea whose time has come. We're at a time where half Americans identify as independent. We're at a time where... Two-thirds of Americans don't want to see this rematch, where 70% people don't want Biden to run, 60% don't want Trump to run. Like These numbers should be chilling to everyone in their respective parties, but really across the country. You know, Look what happened in New Hampshire recently with the traction we're picking up. Like This is, this is um, you know, it could take off into a presidential, uh, vice presidential ticket. At the very least, it's going to be a... a you know, a reminder to our elected officials that, you know, even they even though they may have gone further to the left and further to the right, the vast majority of Americans are are near the middle. What about the debate? If you get this, if you move forward and you get to the fall of 2024, have you contacted the Presidential Debate Commission? In 1980, there was a big battle between Ronald Reagan and President Carter over whether or not to include John Anderson, who decided to run as an independent, and it ended up where there was only one debate and Anderson wasn't there. So how do you get on that stage? Well, look, going back to what I said earlier, this this would be marquee level. Like this is this is not um, this would have movement. This we start off. I saw a poll the other day how twenty one percent of Americans said they would automatically vote for a third party. Okay, so they they would they Um, couldn't ignore your candidate is what you're saying? No, actually, well, you can't ignore two thirds of Americans. You just can't. And you know, again, we would not be putting up a ticket unless it was a fully legitimate and credible and marquee level operation. Where can people find out about it? I, I encourage people to go to nolabels.org, and if they want to see the policy plans and the 30 ideas, and go nolabels.org backslash common sense, uh, and follow us on social media and learn more and uh, continue to, to stay in touch. Well, we'll be following it along and hope we can uh, get back in touch with you as you uh, make your way toward 2024 and beyond. We appreciate it a lot. Former Democratic Congressman Joe Cunningham, current National Director for No Labels. Great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Meet the American who... Inspired American Legion Baseball, John Griffith. 
The World War I veteran is credited with creating the nation's oldest organized youth baseball league. Today, nearly 100,000 teenagers in the U.S. participate in the league from coast to coast. After returning home from World War I, many veterans agreed that there was major issues with young Americans' fitness and health. In fact, some accounts report half of all World War I enlistees failed to meet basic physical requirements. Q College Sports Administration official John Griffith, who posed a solution to strengthen America's youth play ball. In an impassioned speech, he insisted that athletic games could inspire courage and cooperation in the heart of the nation's youth, and the American Legion was the perfect partner for this project. John Griffith had long held an interest in sports, becoming the first commissioner of the conference that would be known today as the Big Ten. In ALB's first year, 15 states had teams participate in the season, and since then, participation exploded with teams from all 50 states engaging in fierce competition. Yogi Berra, Bob Feller, and Ted Williams are among few of the many ALB players who went on to cement their names in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Griffith pitched American youth on team building and fitness through America's favorite pastime, and it was a resounding success. The sport pioneer and veteran who served in both world wars envisioned a nation made better, healthier, and more patriotic, forged by youthful competition. To this day, his legacy thrives on baseball fields all across America. You can go to the lifestyle section at foxnews.com to find more of these incredible stories. For the Fox News Rundown, I'm Gianna Gelosi. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Kristen Hawkins. What's on your mind? Parents packing up students for college soon may have many fears. Will the children make the most of their wildly expensive journey? Will they meet people who help or hurt them? Time will tell, as we sadly know some classes won't be worth the virtual paper in which activist professors conjugate nonsense. Still, a serious problem on campuses today isn't just that studying Taylor Swift seems to be more about a professor getting paid than preparing students for life. It's a politics masquerading as consensus communicates some truly bad ideas. Case in point the recent obsession with putting Plan B vending machines on college and university campuses as some kind of miracle drug in the post-Roe America. An anti-baby, anti-family bias permeates many campuses, exposing students to risks and dangers that they are not told or told to ignore. Fox reports, quote, there are now 39 universities in 17 states with emergency contraceptive vending machines and at least 20 more considering them, according to the American Society for Emergency Contraception, end quote. This isn't new. Reckless distribution of Plan B was opposed by then-President Barack Obama, who worried about selling such drugs next to candy as young girls, quote, may not be able to understand the medicine's labeling or use the pill properly, end quote, noted by the Associated Press in 2011. 
The social construct of the abortion lobby preaches that the only bad consequence of sex is the presence or absence of a baby. This is leading to the casual distribution of Plan B, exposing young women to dangerous people, to unknown physical consequences, and to the current epidemic of sexually transmitted diseases, STDs. When it comes to sex, school officials seem determined to assume that while teaching the next generation is their job of choice, they can't explain good relationship advice or health information that doesn't embrace a Planned Parenthood mindset. Plan B vending machines are a mistake that college campuses don't have to make. I'm Kristen Hawkins, president of Students for Life America and Students for Life Action. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table, the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox.